0: Welcome to Unlikely Intersections, where intent, impact, and inquiry inspire our conversations. I'm Doc Philip Brown. I'm here with my good friend, Dr. Terry Jackson, and you're at the Unlikely Intersection. The interesting thing about intersections is that we all face many intersections daily. How we navigate these controls the trajectory of our days and our lives. Welcome to the show. Fascinating topic today, Uh, Terry.
1: One near and dear to your heart. Yes, it is. Uncertainty. It's amazing. Um how I think about it and what I think about it, Um, you know, prior to the pandemic never gave it a whole lot of thought. You know, you hear people talk about uncertainty and ambiguity, but man, the pandemic brought this thing to a visceral level.
0: It sure did. It was a little up too close for me a lot of times in terms of navigating the COVID pandemic, especially in the early days when we didn't know. Uh, what was what at all Mm and we're still learning things about the pandemic which i think underscores the point right is that it'll be years before we know all that we need to know about about the pandemic but and it knocked us for a loop But there were a lot of good lessons
1: it did and you know a good friend of of ours uh dr price pritchett he did a piece on hacking uncertainty right and so as you know i i think it's appropriate Uh, there is a piece out of his book it says uh, sometimes you see it coming other times you get a feeling inside the vague sense that something big something different is coming but now and then it takes you by total surprise regardless of how it approaches through change usually comes a traveling companion and that traveling companion with change is uncertainty and i thought that was so appropriate for what we're going to discuss this morning
0: Absolutely. And it's got another buddy, too, which is my favorite buddy, Opportunity. Yes, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. (laughs)
0: Well, it's fascinating because as we navigated that change, we actually saw a lot of other positive changes, some of which we're working through now. For us in in medicine, one of the things was telemedicine became very commonplace, easy to do. It was done in a way that really met the patient's needs very well. Uh, and it was quite efficient. Uh, it was maybe possible all along. You know, those changes, obviously, that made it possible were in place, but we weren't ready. Now we are.
1: And, you know, what was interesting is what I experienced during uh, the pandemic as it relates to the uncertainty and ambiguity was leadership reaching out from all different industries, wondering what do we do? How do we handle this, right? It, there appeared to be in most industries outside, I'm going to say outside of healthcare, leaders didn't anticipate. They weren't anticipating anything such as the pandemic, and so when they asked the question, "What do we do?" it's like the questions are great for leaders. However, there was no direction, no strategy as it relates to. Uh, I'm going to say taking an offensive against what was happening in the marketplace in the environment
0: yeah all defense basically how do we how do we survive rather than how do we thrive saw it everywhere that was the world we were living in Mm -hmm. uh and not just for us but how do how do we make it so everyone can survive there especially in the early days of the pandemic and through the two major waves it really was a matter of of life and death and it, it was true survival uh for us and for our workforce and that's when you get to the point where, you know, a certain amount of change is novelty and we all mm-hmm. enjoy it. And we give lip service to the fact that, oh, I'm, I'm really good at change, you know, which is <laughs> maybe an exaggeration. Uh, but change and novelty rapidly can become overwhelmed. That's and true. that happens. We know there's a lot of bad side effects to overwhelm.
1: And not only from organizational perspective, but... Individuals begin to take a look at their lives a little bit differently, right? Around all of this uncertainty and ambiguity that was her- happening in the marketplace, um, some, you know, were able to maintain employment. Others didn't. There, there was the government that was kicking in for some people who couldn't couldn't work. We saw all of our supplies at grocery stores and different. I just all of a sudden the, the our supply chains went down and. Nobody considered any of that type of uncertain uncertainty uh, prior to uh, the pandemic. It was it was an amazing it was amazing to be a student, an academic, and just to observe people's and organizations' behavior during this time.
0: One of the fascinating things to me is simply that when you look around and, and, and it seemed like the coast was clearing a little bit and maybe things would get back to uh, some semblance of what we were used to in the past. I won't call it normal because we've, we've covered that before. There's really right. no normal, no right? It's right. just right. a reality. That's right. And, and we found out that, you know, some people have adjusted their lives and made this work in a way that means a lot of the jobs that we're used to having, so that the usual things can happen Mm are going empty Mm -hmm. people don't need them anymore necessarily right and you know at first it was the it was the old thing always well there's too much aid and people are getting paid to sit around and Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. probably never it Mm -hmm. because if that were it then you know we'd be back somewhere and now we still find ourselves in that situation where The workforce has profoundly changed, and a lot of that was based on their selections, their personal decisions, and what people are willing to continue to do and how they're willing to do it.
1: It's interesting because I think what I'm hearing you say is people's values changed. A lot of values change. Some people downsize and say, hey, let me become a minimalist. I really don't need all that I thought that I needed in order to survive. And so as a result, let me get the bare necessities. Uh, I'm not willing to work as hard as often. My family became more important to me than than before. Uh, just understanding and being engaged with humanity became more uh, more valuable to people because initially it was everything was shutting down people were staying at home you couldn't go out to the malls you couldn't you know you go to the stores but it was minimal and so i think a lot of values changed for a lot of people what became more important to them versus what was important prior to that
0: right at least the priority of which was more important right yes maybe they have similar values but they just said well hey family's more important time's more important it's interesting because. We've seen a significant change in the pattern of patients coming for medical care. Mm -hmm. A lot of our acute care things were, you know, in the hospital type setting, those volumes are down. People are not coming for that care like they had been not Mm -hmm. at the same pace and it's interesting, you know, has that need gone away? Perhaps Mm -hmm. have those lifestyle changes made a positive difference? Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't, I mean, from a business side of healthcare, we don't like to contemplate that, Mm -hmm. but that could be the case, right? Because Mm -hmm. so much of the, so much of the machinery of how our health works is related to lifestyle. So Mm -hmm. we have to always contemplate that some of the changes may have may have actually been positive for health.
1: Yep. You know, um, one of the defining features of uncertainty is unmanageability. That's an interesting phrase, unmanageability. You know, we always like to talk about controlling the controllables, right? But this is saying that maybe we can't control control the controllables what, what are your thoughts about one of the defining features being unmanageability
0: well i think it, it is, deserves to be peeled back some right mm-hmm. so you know, control is is tricky at best yeah, to yeah, impossible yeah, yeah, right, most well, times yeah. we, we have the illusion of control a lot management is all about in my in my particular way of thinking management really is all about things like repeatability. Mm -hmm. So you hear things like management is making sure the work gets done right. Mm -hmm. And so from an uncontrollability standpoint, when the, when what work needs to be done is unclear, management becomes impossible. Mm -hmm. And so how, how someone can manage into a totally novel situation really fundamentally changes in some ways it's, Mostly about the time horizon, mm-hmm. because we can't we can't set a three month plan out when we're just trying to figure out how to get through today. Mm-hmm. And we saw several good examples of how you do that in a positive way. I mean, one of the examples I like to use is the way we navigated COVID vaccination, mm-hmm. and we've talked about it before. But you know, the fastest rollout of a vaccine in history, mass mm-hmm. vaccination saved no telling how many lives. But locally, you know what we found immediately was that while we were using up all the vaccine that we had, it was a scarcity resource at the beginning and only for a, for a short period of time, but at the beginning, it was definitely a scarcity resource. But we weren't vaccinating the people at highest risk and we were leaving behind really communities of color, Mm -hmm. uh, as, -hmm. as well as in some cases, uh, certain communities Mm -hmm. that just had a more difficult pattern of accessing the health system. So we had to navigate to the next day and our teams did a great job of figuring out how to do that. So that ultimately after setting a goal of creating equitable Mm -hmm. vaccination, we were Mm -hmm. able to do it, but it took, you know, different, Different thinking, and it took different stakeholders, mm-hmm. engaging community people to really help us. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and and it appears that every day was a walk in uncertainty as it relates to vaccinations, right? And one of the things that I'm found, finding and what I found about uncertainty is the only thing that we really can control is ourselves, right?
0: Yeah, and and a lot of times the first thing about ourselves to control is the fear. Yeah. And that create, I mean, you know, like if you can just stop long enough to say it's going to be okay. I don't know how quite yet, but we've always navigated things. We'll navigate this. And just controlling that fear because that that fear takes us to some bad places. It almost always takes us backwards. It mm-hmm. takes us to mm-hmm. what has worked in the past. Mm-hmm. And so you think how you're getting a marriage of, Here's something that's never happened before Mm -hmm. and I'm going to use something from the past to solve it, probably not ideal.
1: Yep, absolutely. And I was going to say, one of the things that I read about uh, as it relates to approaching uh, uncertainty is you want to take a counterintuitive approach to dealing with it, meaning whatever your status quo uh, response would be, whatever your natural impulse would be, you want to do something just the opposite of that and you don't want to resist this uncertainty you want to embrace it and absorb it and then work uh within that in that that intuition or that a counterintuitive space to uh, in order to solve it
0: another great reason why you gotta have different members of the team right. that think differently in order to to even understand because we all get in our patterns Mm -hmm. right there's that way we do things you know a lot of us drive to work the same way every Mm day Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. we get home the same way Mm -hmm. all these all these patterns that we have and so if we don't figure out ways to expose ourselves to different thinking Mm -hmm. which typically means people different from us Mm -hmm. define it how you will then we're going to struggle when we have this uncertainty yep that's right
1: you know um we have to examine ourselves and examine how we embrace it, um, how we approach it. Is it fight or flight? Uh, for me, I can tell you it's fight. It's definitely, it's definitely not flight. It's, it's the analysis of it. And oftentimes it is acting before I think really, right, to, to, to create a new reality. Um, and I definitely don't resist it. And so for me it's how do I thrive in times of ambiguity and uncertainty. So I, I kinda go deep into me to understand what I what it is that I need to do.
0: So figuring out figuring out how to step into it productively. Yes,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and there's a third, you know, we always talk about fight or flight. There there's a third option that happens and sometimes a a variation of it is not the worst thing in the world in uncertainty, which is freeze. Mm. I would, I would make a friendly amendment to that. And I would say pause. Mm -hmm. And during that pause is when you get your different stakeholder input to better understand, right? Sometimes it's just let me create enough space and time to think, to figure out, Not the whole map. I just need to know where the next viable step is. That's right.
1: That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, there, one of our friends, he uh, kind of developed a formula, and we're going to kind of touch on this formula around what it means to be able to hack uncertainty. And and I kind of mentioned one, uh, and that is beware of your natural instincts. You know, you don't want to do or go into survival mode, because survival mode is more of what you're accustomed to doing in the past as you talked about the models, right? You want to observe and you want to figure out what can I do that's different? What can I do that's new? Um, And what we also have to understand is not everything that comes about in this ambiguity and uncertainty is bad. You talked about opportunities. If we think about the pandemic, We could think about people who caught COVID, but we could also think about all of the new products that we saw come to the marketplace because somebody saw opportunity.
0: Yeah, total pivot of industry in a lot of ways, um, you know, that we'll never see go back. We could make a long, long list of those. But i want to talk a little bit about you know you you, you're talking about how uh this natural instinct you know can work against you and we talked about how controlling fear is is part of that and we talked about values Mm -hmm. and i think those things actually go together in my mind because one of the things that that we see is this regrouping around prioritization of values Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day the values actually still have to guide That's right. the actions. That's right. And so making sure, you know, that brief pause to clarify the values, to stratify mm-hmm. the values, mm-hmm. get the stakeholder input, and then make that value-based decision is the safest way to navigate mm-hmm. when we really mm-hmm. don't know where we are or mm-hmm. where we're going.
1: Mm-hmm. I would agree, I would agree. The prioritization, as you said, of the values, right, family over occupation, right, health, uh, coming into play. Given, you know, a lot of people had a lot of pre-existing conditions that that were uh, exposed to uh, COVID or who caught COVID, and so now, how do I become healthier? How do I change my dietary regimen, my, my exercise regimen? Um, how do I not get into some of those bad habits uh, of of a bad lifestyle? Uh, and so we saw a lot of value play uh, in in the middle of it. Whether or not it to be sustained is something totally different. But we saw a lot of that reprioritization.
0: Yeah, and you know, one of the things I would say, and you know, both of us are, are fortunate to to live in circles where we get coaching, we give coaching, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, and ultimately that's all about self-development to mm-hmm. a certain extent and understanding what happens to me in uncertainty or any kind of stress is one of the most important things there is. In fact, it's the most important thing for me. And, you know, as a result of a lot of the, a lot of that work, you know, I know that, my survival mode looks like a hard discipline drive. People might perceive me as overbearing. Well, some people might say that <laughs> anyway, but you know, yeah, th- yeah, as yeah. I'm stressed, I'm gonna really uh, drive down into discipline. I'm gonna get too outcome focused, right? And and so just knowing that enables me to, to take that pause, to take a different track, to beware mm-hmm. of those tendencies. And the better I am at, at feeling when that, when that stress or that anxiety or that survival mentality is welling up, the, the sooner I can recognize that, the better I'll be able to navigate it. Yeah, I
1: would agree with you. I, I go directly to alignment and focus. That's what happens, you know. I need okay. Let me understand what's going on. Let's get everything and everyone aligned, and then let's focus on the task at hand. And and again, um, become I, I, become a driver, right? It's about this 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 is going to happen. Here's how it's going to happen. And uh, the personality changes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Yeah, so, so it's not the laughing and the joking; it's the seriousness of what has to happen and what's what's at stake, uh, and 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 ensuring that the stakeholders, um, you know have input and make a contribution, uh, uh, as well, but definitely become a driver.
0: And that's fascinating because we're sitting up here talking about this and, you know, in an expert manner. And we both say, well, you know, our natural tendencies is to really screw this up. We're both, you know, we're saying on the one hand, what we got to do, we got to pause. We got to listen to people who have a different perspective. And by, by, by its very nature, that's a sloppy, sloppy process. Mm -hmm. We both know it. we live in that world all the time, but we're saying that, you know, left to our own devices. If we don't recognize it, we're going to do the opposite of that. Exactly. You know? And so I think it's really, it's a spot where grace is needed too. and the better your groups are, you know, folks can recognize that and you can, sort of reality test your own behavior with a trusted individual either, you know, your personal board of directors or somebody you work with Mm -hmm. uh, to say, you know, they may pull you aside and say, you know, Terry, that's uh, you you might be coming a little too hard at it right (laughs) now. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, but in all of this uncertainty and ambiguity, one of the things we have to continue to do, uh, and I know that both of us do, and I'm sure many others do is invest in ourselves, right? Uh, the reading for different perspectives so it'll give us different perspectives as we address whatever the challenges may be and the uncertainty that we're experiencing uh, listening to different people uh, and uh, you know whether it's our coaches, whether it's friends, any and everyone who can give us a different perspective so at the end of the day we can analyze all that's put before us and make some decisions or at least, Ask questions to get decisions by stakeholders that would be out of the norm given what the ambiguity and the uncertainty is in the environment
0: that concept of the paper mentor mm-hmm. you know we I think we've talked about in the past that personal board of directors but there's also that that list of paper mentors that you have where maybe you really like the way they put things in, mm-hmm. in book form or article form or mm-hmm. blog or whatever Um, that's really been very important to me and a lot of times I think as I I dig into that I'm a natural student I love to read I love to study things but in times of uncertainty doing that deeper dive does one thing above all else to me I think it usually helps me understand just how complex Mm -hmm. the situation is Mm -hmm. and that's that's a very powerful thing because it enables me to understand intuitively that, you know, that discipline drive, that hurry up and get to an action is not always right. right. And that, you know, it helps me gather information better from different people. Mm-hmm. And you know, what we, what we don't often talk about is how the information gathering process at a personal level is is really it's more than just gathering information it's gathering Mm buy-in you know people just being part of the solution creates a different alignment right even if it doesn't go that way at least having heard lots Mm -hmm. of different things folks can get okay with that
1: yep i agree with you uh 100 you know one of the things i was thinking about uh and one of the questions I always ask myself when things are kind of foggy is, what does nature teach me about this so let me let me look out and into and, and nature and, and the trees and the different animals and all that's going on and what can I learn Because nature is the greatest teacher, and it's a system and so as all the upheaval, as we would call it, is happening in nature, I ask myself, what does it teach me about this? That that enables me to kind of exhale. It enables me to have a totally different perspective, away from I'm going to say quote unquote a, a human perspective, but but take a look at all the things that may have happened, and then relate it to that this particular uncertain or ambiguous environment and kind of construct somewhat of a solution
0: as it gives you the pause right Mm -hmm. you know it it takes away the self-importance to a certain extent it sounds like and where we kind of begin to realize how small we are in the grand Mm -hmm. scheme of things and Mm -hmm. that grand scheme rolls on Yes, it does. I mean, yes, it you does. know, every time, You're just a cog in the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to me, that's—I I have a similar, uh, similar predisposition. It, it has a relaxing effect, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a decompression. Just, it gives you that. This is going to be okay. I just, I just got to figure out how to go with the flow a little bit, or at least for a time. Same thing I used to teach my kids about currents in the ocean right Mm -hmm. like if you get trapped out you know even though both of them really good swimmers i taught them from an early age Mm -hmm. don't fight the current work Mm -hmm. with it right Mm -hmm. like and i would Mm -hmm. quiz them i'd say you know sally if you fall in you know Mm -hmm. where would you go you know what would you do and have them sort of explain how they would ride the current and sometimes we just have to ride a current that's right
1: that's right you know my favorite phrase in, in that moment is think, don't panic. I go to, I go directly to thinking. Some people panic and the feeling of the stress for a lot of people makes them not think as fluidly. And so for me, it's always about, okay, I need to be able to think fluidly all the time because I gotta work myself through this, whether I have to take that pause for a minute and just be still and observe and watch or whether I need to take action one way or the other. But the first thing I need to do is not panic, I need to be thinking because that happens to too many people. The emotions take over and they begin to have missteps along the way. And sometimes taking having a misstep, sometimes, some of those missteps can be tough to course correct, right? But you have to be able to think in the moment.
0: Yeah, and it kind of reminds me, uh, my family just started watching a, a Netflix, or maybe it's not Netflix. Maybe it's Cava. I don't know. I can't mm-hmm. keep up. Mm-hmm. But the show is limitless. Mm. It's Chris Hemsworth. And mm-hmm. basically, you know, a big part of the theme of, of that show is recognize what's happening to mm-hmm. you that, that you can feel and sense. You know, episode one is about mm-hmm. him understanding when he's stressed and his heart rate's going up and his mm-hmm. respiration's going up mm-hmm. and how he manages that and then Mm -hmm. not only how he manages it in the moment what things we'll call them exercises if you will what daily practices can he do Mm -hmm. to prepare himself to better recognize and better cope with these stressful things Mm -hmm. that's kind of in in a way the same thing that you're talking about right because it it gives you that control or that panic that bad feeling that you get that survivor Thought process it enables you to de-escalate that mm-hmm. and give yourself time to think through what you need to do to be mm-hmm. successful in the
1: moment that's right you know uh, another key and we've talked about this on previous episodes another key to uncertainty and ambiguity is really trust you know I heard someone tell a story about um, I guess a scuba diver you know they're going down scuba diving and in, 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 in the river about halfway down it gets real murky right but they know that there is a bottom to the river and so they have to continue to work through that murkiness of the water until they get to the bottom and so you have to have trust in the process when you're dealing with uncertainty you have to trust yourself you have to be able to trust you know trust others uh, and you and i have talked about you know giving you know give, giving trust up front and and and, and uh, that that is something that is intuitive and counterintuitive to what people normally go through with trust trusting up front or let me wait uh, 5 or 6 years and see if i can trust this person sometimes in the in the, in ambiguous situations or uncertainty you really have to be able to give that trust up front
0: yeah the tougher it is, the more important it is to to have trusted individuals. Some of that you develop over time too that's mm-hmm. that daily daily practice um, you know and and trusting in the process something we've talked about before is is really important too so if you have you know one of the things I think that we can differentiate on uncertainty uh, versus process certainty is mm-hmm. that if you have a sound process of how you work through problems it's probably translatable yes right so trust in that process of engagement and however that you know it, you have worked through it to better understand and act that process can still be viable no matter how uncertain the environment a lot of times.
1: Yep, I, I would agree with you. One one of the other things, and, and, and audience, uh, we, you're listening, we're really laying out a formula of how do you handle this uncertainty and ambiguity, is we cannot believe everything that we think. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's a huge one as it relates to uh, working through and navigating uncertainty and ambiguities. You can't believe everything you think. No,
0: it's, it's amazing because your mind is going to trick you and the more stressful the situation, the more likely it is to go that way because it just tends to close yourself off because, you know, curiosity is what uncovers options, Mm -hmm. right? Otherwise we're just retreating to somewhere we've been before in all likelihood. And, you know, most time when it's, when it's a super uncertain environment or we're living in ambiguity, that's the wrong place to be.
1: And for, And for a lot of people, thinking isn't thinking. For a lot of people, thinking is regurgitating, which means it takes you back to what you did in the past, inhaling it the status quo way versus the curiosity perspective of what's new, what can potentially be new, What can we do that's you know that's different to get me out of this this situation? Uh, most people won't take themselves through that battery of questions to kind of figure out a way out of the uncertainty and ambiguity. Well, it's uncomfortable. Yes.
0: And it's so much easier. A lot of times for somebody to say, well, you know, let me prove that I'm right. Mm -hmm. Let me prove that this is the way. And so it becomes at times a test of wills. Mm -hmm. you know, who's going to be right. And in uncertain environments, when it becomes that, a lot of times that answer is none of the parties are right because it needs to be something different. It needs to be an integrative solution uh, that's co-created.
1: Here's what we definitely have to recognize is that nobody's going to come to rescue us in times of uncertainty. We're going to rescue ourselves. We have to be able to bet on ourselves doing ambiguity and uncertainty because what we know for certain is that uncertainty is certain (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but that's really that's true it, it is so true uh and that it's it is currently as certain as it's ever going to be that's right, right? <laughs> that's right we are we find ourselves in the most uncertain times in history and the most certain times going forward. That's so there's my yogi. That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and see, we don't think, and it was only the pandemic when I began to think about this, but every morning when we wake up, when we turn, however we get out of bed, it's not certain that when we put our foot on the floor, our leg is going to stand up, right? And we that we're not going to collapse. It's It wasn't certain that we were going to make it here, you know, this morning. Those are the little small things that we took for granted, or a lot of people may take for granted. But when we think about it, just, just about everything we do every day, there is a measure or degree of uncertainty and ambiguity in everything we do, even that what we take for granted that we think just walking. you know, It's, it's, it's amazing how much uncertainty is in, in the certainty of what we think of on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, I mean, as simple as how many of us have pulled in to fuel up our vehicle and something's wrong with the pump? Yeah. Got to go to another pump. Yeah. Got yeah. to go to another station. That's right. That's and right. then it's funny, you know, if you're not careful, you catch yourself getting mad at it. That's I right. Mean, I mean, I mean, it's just a, it's <laughs> That's a machine right. That's that can right. break, That's right. right? That's right. And, That's right. and uh, it comes down to how do you, how do you assure yourself, or, what I believe is important, and our friend Dr. Rao talks about this. You got to answer the question for yourself is the universe a friendly place? That's right.
1: That's Fundamental right. question number yeah. one. It's ironic you say that. I was just looking at that piece yesterday. <laughs> and, you know, I've heard people, I've seen people get upset because they go into McDonald's and say, how can McDonald's be out of french fries? Because you just make, you, you, you naturally assume that that's what's going to happen. And then when you get that, that, that uncertainty, right, and you get mad you know, taking those things for granted on a day-to-day basis. I think the pandemic taught us a lot about not how not to take things for granted.
0: Yeah, it did. One thing it didn't do is it didn't help us learn that it's not a me-centered universe. Because, right. you know, when that's you right. go in and they don't have fries for you, all of a sudden <laughs> it's about you. Yeah, that's right. Man, you're like, how could they do this to me? That's well, right. it, it isn't about you. That's they right. wanted to have
1: them that's right they wanted that's to right. sell that's them right. they're that's making right. money that's off right. of it you that's know
0: it just that's how the energy worked at that time and you know maybe it's a delay or maybe they're just out That's but right. it has nothing to do with you or me
1: that's right That's it's just right.
0: how it, how it happened and you know when we make it about us it puts us in a bad place because mm-hmm. it it creates a a we they
1: mm-hmm. and in your approach to ambiguity and uncertainty it definitely takes an examination of mental models. It definitely takes the, not only examination, but the deconstruction and the reconstruction of mental models um, as it relates to our actions of what we have to do or maybe what we don't have to do. So uncertainty and ambiguity is like, its not a bad thing because it is a status quo buster for sure. And it, it takes thought. It takes action, it takes collaboration, it takes co-creation, it takes humanity in order to work through it.
0: Well, that mental model piece, I think, is important. It connects to a lot of things we've been talking about because we all have mental models. We got, you know... Little man on our shoulder, mm-hmm. a woman talking all the time, telling us what to do, telling us what to make out of things, mm-hmm. giving us interpretations, and all mm-hmm. these kind of things, and we kind of run around. And there's nothing inherently wrong with having a mental model of of how how life works for for you. That's right. The trick is, it's invariably going to be challenged, and some of those challenges are going to be irrefutable evidence that that model doesn't apply. That's right. And so, to successfully navigate. We got to be willing to change the model to meet the situation and understand it was always just a model, right? I made it up. That's right. I made that's up right. how this is supposed to work, the great system. I'm known for that, right? Like, I, whether it was, you know, in my marathon right. running days or my coaching days or whatever, I always had a system. That's right. Right? That's right. That's Which that's was right. my model for X. That's and right. invariably, something would happen. And I'd have to figure out how to redo that model because it just didn't apply anymore. That's right, that's right.
1: You know, I saw something funny on social media the other day. You know, normally students take their laptops into the classroom at college and take notes, type their notes out as the professor's giving the lecture. Well, this particular professor didn't allow laptops in the classroom. So this one particular student became very uh, creative and he broke out an old... Typewriter and was in the classroom. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, given the uncertainty of having a system for note taking with a laptop, he became creative, innovative, and brought back the old typewriter to be able to address or solve his ambiguity and, and uncertainty within the classroom that day around note-taking quite <laughs> quite quite a, quite interesting quite yeah interesting. imagine it
0: aggravated a lot <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it did i'm sure it did you know and that that kind of brings a principle that i go by in, into view a little bit and i will say keep your eye on the mountaintop mm-hmm. right and it's not that's much different than focusing on the outcome necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. It's more, I, I, I would make the analogy more of a destination. Where are you ultimately trying to get? Mm-hmm. And understanding that there are going to be periods where you may have to go backwards a little bit. You may have to go up a steep hill. You may mm-hmm. have to go down it won't be necessarily straight to the mountaintop. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm,
0: Uh, mm -hmm. And when you get to the mountaintop, you may find another peak on the other side that you couldn't see Mm -hmm. from where you were, but keeping your eye on where you're ultimately trying to get, whether that's within an organization, what you're trying to accomplish all these things to me is really important because it helps you, helps you focus and it helps you uncover Mm -hmm. answers that, can become the next viable step.
1: That's right. That's right. So you're looking for the patterns in the chaos so that you can find those answers to that next step, because chaos is a part of the the part of the equation when you're talking about uncertainty and ambiguity and being able to determine those patterns is a way that you can get there.
0: And that's where, again, diverse opinions Mm -hmm. and talents and skill sets are so important, right? So Like one thing I know about myself is if I have a gift, one of my gifts really is I can see that something fits into the greater scheme Mm -hmm. of things Mm -hmm. really easily. Mm -hmm. Right. Where I struggle sometimes is I get bored with the very next step. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. once it's obvious of what the next step needs to be, I'm on to the next thing. right? But, I need to surround myself with people that make that next viable step that we've agreed to viable. Mm, mm, mm. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that's where blending those skill sets is so important, right? Because otherwise if it's always aspirational, Mm -hmm. you may remain stuck. So it's important to put different skill sets together Mm -hmm. that enable you to take the next step and the next step and the next step.
1: That's right. And in all of this ambiguity and uncertainty, what we have to keep in mind is the purpose, the purpose of what we as an organization are here for, the purpose as, a, as an individual, what I'm trying to achieve. There has to be purpose and meaning in all of the, any solution around this ambiguity and uncertainty that we're experiencing.
0: If purpose isn't the foundation, people either don't care give up or wear out. Mm -hmm. And that's where we always get the, a lot of times people get it mixed up between purpose and passion, Mm -hmm. right? Passion uh, without purpose is nothing but a recipe for burnout. That's it. Right? And so that, that, that foundational component of a sense of purpose and within a group, a common purpose is really essential.
1: That's right. That's right. And what we have to be mindful to do is to continue to live through all of what may be happening. We have to continue to live. So it's really about how do I thrive in this situation, in this environment, right? And all that we've mentioned around how to, quote, unquote, unhack uncertainty, unhack ambiguity. It's really about thriving and going to the next level.
0: Yeah, and recognition pieces of that. Like I can tell you in the pandemic, one of the things I realized is, I was working too much, even though I was in that group that pivoted to, to from home initially on the front wave of it, I would go, you know, into the room I worked at home first thing in the morning. And I might not really end that day for 15 or 16 hours, you know? And after a while, my family's looking at me like, has this dude turned into a hermit? Well, you know, he's gone. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he was yeah, here more yeah, yeah, when yeah, he was yeah, going yeah, to work yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. And, meeting that realization and saying, okay, I need to put some cues in place for myself Mm -hmm. to start it up and shut it down because there's a renewal process that I need to do. That's for my health, whether that for me, it's uh, it's always been exercise and also mindfulness, those two things, but spending time with my family is, is very, has always been very
1: Mm -hmm. uh,
0: important Mm -hmm. to me. So I need to work that in too as a, you know, that's the connection piece.
1: Yeah. You know, it, During that time, I probably reached out to more friends, more acquaintances, given the fact that you just never knew. There was so much uncertainty, you just, you never knew. I called a friend and said, well, you know, I lost my mother, Uh, called, you know, a classmate. Well, you know, he passed of COVID and I'm like, wow. You know, there was so much uncertainty, as we talked earlier about the reprioritization of what's important to you it made me reach out to more reach out more to people because you just don't know um and so if there was probably for me if there was the most important piece of the reprioritization of my values it would be becoming uh, more in tune to people and their needs that's what this Uncertainty or ambiguity or chaos brought for me is becoming more in tune to human beings.
0: And that's where we find ourselves threatened now as we're experiencing what most folks uh, are are taking as a wind down of the pandemic mm-hmm. is that if that goes away mm-hmm. and we've seen several noteworthy examples of mm-hmm. it because you're seeing mass layoffs and firings and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. all kinds of things whether you talk about many of your larger companies banks mm-hmm. twitter mm-hmm. Uh, after the mm-hmm. you know after yep. the yep. purchase mm-hmm. you know that if we lose sight of the humanity piece of the humans being human uh, and go back to something else—that's a real step backwards.
1: It is, and I'm kind of seeing that step, you know, myself from uh, people that some people that I know uh, who were seem to be engaged in, you know, the the change, uh, you know, during the pandemic, but went right back to what they call the new normal. Right, the new normal was using the same model they had prior to the pandemic, and it's you know just not just not working.
0: Yeah, and Twitter's a great example. I mean, yes. I hate to hammer on the guy, but <laughs> he's a pretty easy target right now. Is, you know, well, come in ready to work harder than you ever have and, you know, be here and no flexibility. And everybody said, that's all right, we'll pass. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's see how well that's going to work <laughs> that's out right. for you, that's right. right? That's right. And so you already see, you know, scrambling to find, you know, a different approach and everything, and it's, it's sloppy, but, you know, Folks just said, hey, my values, you know, are inclusive of people who are important to me or my own well-being.
1: I'm not going to play that old game anymore. That's right. Good luck. That's right. That's right. And so those are the opportunities that really came out. Hey, I'm going to be a person more in tune to family, more in tune to human beings, uh, and not let this, quote, unquote, technologist drive my life. Right, because that's what he said when when the gentleman from uh, T-Mobile offered to become the CEO and 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 run it. As I can compare and contrast, you know, when this uh, John Legier was the president uh, or CEO of T-Mobile versus uh, Elon Musk, in that transformation at T-Mobile, it was people. It was all about people. The first response out of Elon Musk is, it takes a technologist. So he was more concerned with the technology than he is the people who create and run the technology. So I would assume, and I'm going to make the prediction, that there will be a lot more uncertainty and ambiguity within Twitter in the in the next few months simply because of the mindset of technology over people.
0: Well, we know that, that that's a mistake. Mm-hmm you know technology never overcomes people and we saw it you know again going back to earlier in this episode telemedicine is a perfect example of that Mm -hmm. right it was never about the technology the technology was there it could be deployed anywhere it was will it be accepted Mm -hmm. by the users Will uh, folks come up with creative ways to figure out how to pay for it, mm-hmm. and all these different pieces? It was all about people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we see that in every aspect of what we do and change that's technology based in healthcare. Is that the technology is pretty much always ahead of our ability to operationalize it? Mm-hmm because it touches so many lives and so many people. And if you, don't, if you don't go through all the fundamental things of change leadership, it's gonna underperform. It's always about the people.
1: I've always seen technology as an enabler. It is never the end all, the be all. It enables me to, to as a, say as a physician, uh, telemedicine. Now, instead of my patient having to come in, I can just have a, an appointment right there online, a virtual appointment, get all my questions answered and do everything I need to do uh, versus them having to, to come into the office. I, and I had that experience as my mother probably had four or five telemedicine uh, appointments during, during the pandemic, uh, which was pretty, you know pretty, pretty neat. Uh, um, and so with that, um, it's never about the technology. It's always about the people because people create technology.
0: Absolutely. One of the most, uh, uh, I would say fundamental lessons mm-hmm. about uncertainty and ambiguity, whether it's a conversation or whether it's a something happening on a grand scale mm-hmm. is that it's okay to not get to a full agreement on an answer That's in right. the moment. That's right. So often, you know, it just remains somewhat uncertain. And the truth of it is, it's actually always uncertain. We've just put in certain assumptions and, and agree to it and say, yeah, it's this, this way, this is how it's going to be. And But in reality, there can always be other disruptors. And it's probably a good time to certainly end this episode <laughs> yes. by thanking our audience and saying, appreciate you coming to the intersection. Hope you'll check us out at unlikelyintersection.com or Come to LinkedIn, uh, Doc Philip Brown,
1: or. You can find uh, Terry Jackson uh, at Terry Jackson PhD on LinkedIn. And please go to uh, Unlikely Intersections, our, our website, as well as our YouTube page. Like, comment, and also propose uh, different topics you'd like for us to discuss.
0: Thanks for joining us at the intersection.